What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Nicole Yang and good friend of the show, Sam Sheehan, who is here to tell us why the Celtics are going to win. I don't even know if this is mathematically possible anymore. Why the Celtics <laughs> are going to win 48 games this season. Yeah. But no, first, no. Sam, how are you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing um, better than I was two days ago. I'd say that that's the closest I've, I've kind of staked out my corner as like resident um, Celtics optimist and the Knicks game what that, that Knicks loss was probably the most jokerifying um, regular season <laughs> game of my life. So I came like very close to like finally giving up my frankly insane positivity, <laughs> but uh, we're back. We're back. They won last night. So, you know, uh, what are they? Um, two games out of the play in something like that, I think. So, you know, it, it can, it can happen. I, I, I think, I think there's a lot of reasons to be positive, I would say. Well, and I want to get into some of those reasons. And, and I think it's kind of funny because Nicole and Grenham before the season gave me a lot of grief because I, on the, the Geno time podcast, I was the resident Celtics optimist. Like I saw <laughs> like, you know, there's hey, like, you know, new coach, like all this stuff, like, you know, all, you know, all the Celtics need is, is for some of these role players to work out a little bit better. And I think one of the things that's been bizarre for me as a former Celtics optimist, I would not call myself one anymore, is that <laughs> a lot of the things that before the season we said, like, hey, if Josh Richardson shoots 40% from three, hey, if Grant Williams or yeah. like one of the young yeah. guys needs to step up, hey, if all of these things, a lot of them did come through. And the problem is that Jason Tatum has looked real bad for stretches mm-hmm. and uh, – so it's like it's been very hard as as a former optimist to kind of square those things. Okay, so that's let's just like start with like um, point differential. Um, you know, the Celtics have like quietly been one of the better um, point differential teams. I'm pretty sure they are still ten. Uh, they're actually eleventh. Okay, so they're eleventh in net rating and point differential still. Um, Usually if you're like top 10 in point differential, you're like, you know, you're a good team. You know, that's usually like the, some, you know, you're usually going to win 48 games. You'll probably be like right on the borderline between like a a fourth or a fifth seed in your respective conference. So, you know, as I'm saying that some people will be doing the math and realize that it's not the Celtics. (laughs) Celtics are two games under 500 and currently in 10th place in the Eastern conference. Um, I think there's, a couple of like reasons for where the Celtics are. And I think it's very difficult because I think this has been kind of a perfect storm of a lot of negative things have happened. Like for one, the Celtics, I think there was a lot more reasons to be negative about the Celtics last year than there are this year. Um, I think a good place to start um, is um, three point percentage. If you want to go through everyone's career averages and, you know, where they're at now versus where they were and pretty much everyone who's not Grant Williams or Josh Richardson is a little bit to a lot under their career three-point percentage. Um, I think Al Horford's down like 7%. Um, Marcus Smart's down like 3 Jason Tatum down like, again, I think 5 to 7%. Even like Jalen Brown, who shot relatively well, um, is still under his career average by, you know, uh, full percent. And then if you even consider that, because I think that, career averages aren't usually a very good indicator. You're probably better aggregating like the last three seasons. It's all, it gets a lot worse for everybody. Like Marcus Smart has had turned himself into a pretty average three point shooter. 
And now he's back to having one of the worst seasons he's ever had. And he's had some pretty bad three point shooting seasons. So historically, some might say. Yeah, historically. So I think it's really tough. Uh, And, you know, Schroeder, Schroeder's probably about at his average. Um, He's never been a good three point shooter. And I think that, you know, that's another thing we can get into later. But pretty much everyone in the rotation who's not Grant Williams or Josh Richardson isn't hitting threes. And that's just not like, that's not good. Um, and, you know, I think the, the first thing you would say is, okay, well, they're taking tough shots, you know, cause that would be, you know, the indicator and not really, I mean, the Celtics in terms yeah. of attempts, yeah, they're near the bottom of uh, wide open attempts, but as far as open attempts, I think they're fourth in the league, fifth in the league, something like that. So they get a lot of open shots on those open shots though. They are, you know, kind of near the bottom. <laughs> they, so, right. you know, there's a lot of open shots, you know, it's going to sound like making excuses to say like the Celtics are just not, you know, shooting well, you know, especially where we're whatever we are halfway through the season, but really it is like historically <laughs> bad for seemingly no reason. <laughs> And I do think that that's probably going to turn around, especially in the case of Jason Tatum and like, you know, Al Horford in particular, like it's, I can't stress enough how far under he is for three point percentage, which, and shooting is not usually something that ages poorly either. So I don't know. I, I think that if you want to start with a reason to be optimistic, I think that's a, as good a place as any to start. Well, let me let me back up briefly um, to your mm-hmm. point about point differential. I think one of the things that concerns me about that argument is that if you look at the last four seasons on, so cleaning the glass has uh, their win differential where they, they basically mm-hmm. calculate, uh, how, you know, how much a team should win based on their point differential, right? And mm-hmm. the Celtics over the last four seasons have been at the absolute bottom of the league in that every single year, 27th this year, 27th last year, 24th in 2019-20, and 27th again in 2018-19. So this Mm -hmm. has been an issue. Like, this team does, you know, outscore opponents by more than you would think um, and then still manage to lose games. So I think that would be – and I think if you look at this year versus last year, I mean, the you know, the expected expected wins are almost the same. The differential is almost the same. And then the actual win differential of of how many games they should have won is almost exactly the same. Like, this – the numbers between the two seasons are like almost equivalent. And I think that's, it's interesting that part of the reason for that is like who is shooting poorly. Right. Because like we mentioned at the top, it's like last year Tatum was, you know, otherworldly for, for lengthy stretches and this year he's bad. And it's like early in the season, I had the same take as you in a lot of ways in that I thought that, okay, that there's no way Tatum's going to be this bad all year. And I'm just like, I think I'm just losing faith in that take, man. Like, I think yeah. I just, like this might just be a bad Jason Tatum season. Well, and that's, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's the, that's the real underlying thing. I mean, cause that's, that's why last season was bad. Cause Jason Tatum was playing well and they were still bad. Like that's, you know, and I think that part of the, that's part of the reason I was so jokerified by that Knicks loss is because that was a rare, good Jason Tatum game. And well, rare for this season. I don't want to make it, you know, but just, we, we don't usually, we haven't really got stinks. Sam Sheehan. (laughs) Okay. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, But Sam Sam Sheehan in 2017, 
Jason Tatum stinks. Don't draft yeah. his bum. <laughs> he's he's made a career out of zigging as soon as I changed my tape. Like he's really um, put me in some hard spots. Um, I I think that yeah, Jason. Well, I mean, you know, Jason's three point percentage again. Um, you look at the guys who are really struggling on the Celtics. You know, Horford and Tatum. It's pretty. You could almost kind of directly correlate it to um, you know three point percentage in some ways. But even if you want to go a little bit deeper than that, and I think this ties into your broader point you just made, Tom, about um, clutch time Celtics. You know, um, we all know they have a horrific um, fourth quarter differential. I think one of the worst in the league um, still. Um, and you know, which is pretty funny that they're so high up on, well, not so high up, you know, that they're a pretty um, average to good overall differential just shows you how bad they are in the, the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that that does kind of have a lot to do with who is, you know, taking the shots at the end of the game and who your best player is. We had a lot of, we didn't have a lot of Jalen Brown um, this year. Jalen missed uh, pretty much half the season. I'm not sure if that's still, I don't know what his games played are off the top of my head, but it was quite a few um, up to this point. And you've got, you know, Tatum kind of taking a lot of these shots. And the thing is, he's still a guy who takes about 20% of his shots in isolation and is, you know, in terms of uh, percentile in the league is still in the bottom half, you know, it's just not a good shot. And I think defenses, understand that, you know, like you can probably get Jason Tatum to shoot over an isolation double team, um, you know, more often than not. I think Jason Tatum's at his best when he's passing and playmaking like he was in the Knicks game because that changes how he can be guarded. But I do think that probably, you know, his shot selection and I think this falls on Ime Odoka's shoulders pretty squarely too. You need to get Jason Tatum into actions um, that aren't clear out the side of the floor, let him take three dribbles and then do a fall away. That's not quite a three, you know, that's with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. That's one of the worst shots the Celtics have and they go to it, you know, two to three times a game. And that's just an empty possession. And I think that that doesn't help the, uh, the rest of the team play better watching a guy, you know, shoot something like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that like Jason Tatum is like, um, you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan from his, you know, first four years in the league or anything like that. Like he's a very good player. I think he's underrated defensively. I think he's underrated as a playmaker, but just offensively, I think the rest of the league has kind of found out that like you can guard Jason Tatum this way and he won't adjust that much. He's still going to basically still get up 25 shots. Um, so I, you know, I, I would argue that Jason Tatum needs to, you know, play a little less. I think he, Ime Odoka should rest him more. I think he's still leading the league in minutes or near the top. Um, and, you know, kind of let the other, the rest of the team have a little bit more offensive responsibility. Um, because I think the what you know Tatum defenders would say is that you know this is a garbage roster. It's bad. There's nobody else that can be trusted outside of Jason Tatum, so he has to do this. I just don't really buy that. I, really, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
like, so I think that that is probably the biggest long-term concern um, is Jason Tatum kind of figuring this out, um, you know, that when he is cold, kind of relinquishing some of the offensive, you know, responsibility a little bit. Now that might not be Jason Tatum's fault. Maybe Yodoka said, you're getting your 25 shots. That's what it is. You know, we're going to isolate. So maybe it's not his fault, but I, I just don't think it's good for the Celtics as currently constructed to have him taking 25 shots a game, every, every game. Yeah, Sam, what are your impressions of Ime Udoka in his first season? I know you and Brad sort of were <laughs> at war maybe, but yeah, what yeah. are your impressions of Ime? I, I, I gave up the ghost on that um, just the other day where I had to kind of admit, all right, well, maybe I was a little too hard on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I'd say Ime um, defenders would say, you know, that there's a roster here. This is the roster he was given. Um, you know, in some ways, this is a take your medicine season with the trade for Al Horford. You know, that was trading Kemba, getting off of Kemba Walker was going to be a multi-year process. I mean, it just didn't work out. You give a guy a max contract and, you know, he struggles with health and kind of loses his burst at the wrong time. That's, that's just never a good thing. So the Celtics are kind of, you know, still recovering from that. And I do appreciate that, you know, that is something Ime has to deal with. Because, you know, it would be ideally what, you know, what you'd want with this core is you would want, you know, like maybe some kind of power forward. He's probably shooting very well, maybe like above 40 percent, 89 percent from free three throws. You know, um, he's been on the floor in a big game, like maybe say a game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And that guy just doesn't exist. Oh, wait, no, that's Grant Williams. That's Grant Williams, who does exist, who is on this roster. And seemingly cannot get a start to save his life. I don't or know. Or a finish. Or a finish. Or a finish. <laughs> like, and I, I don't know. It's just, it's baffling to me. I mean, I, you can make the argument that, um, I, I don't know, like expanded minutes would hurt Grant for some reason. But right now he's flirting with, uh, I think, uh 60 40 90 like he's like just a one percent under that right now like and just he's the only one who can shoot you have um you know he the lineup with robert williams i think uh yeah we're still at i think about 20 minutes um total for them uh for that group in terms of plus minus and that's the celtics best like per capital plus minus by far it gives them good shooting. I, that's, that's kind of the rotations that Ime goes with are pretty baffling. Um, I think that if you want to give Brad a hard time, I think it's hard with the team shooting the way it is to fit Dennis Schroeder into this team, just because he's not never going to be a good three point shooter and finding lineups with him and smart and a Jason Tatum, who's not shooting well, is just, it's, it, that's an uphill slog. Like I understand that. Um, and especially if Al Horford, you know, isn't three point shooting. It's just, it's hard to find a place for Schroeder on a team that's as bad at three point shooting as this team is. Um, which is why I think maybe they need to move on from that. Not that Schroeder's not a good player. I mean, he brings rim pressure, which is something the Celtics need, but it's just not a good fit with this team as they're currently constructed and as they're currently playing. You know, I think, you know, Josh Richardson has been shooting well, even though he has some defensive times when he struggles a little bit defensively, he's still 
one of the only good three point shooters on the team. So I don't know. I, I that's my biggest problem with Ime is the rotations are not great. Um, I'd like to see, I know Romeo struggles at times, but I think, you know, I'd like to see more at least of Romeo um, and, you know, Peyton Pritchard at least. And I think that Brad moving on from Schroeder. So, you know, there was less of an obligation to play him would be, would be good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think there are solutions on this roster and I just think he may is not, you know, and he's a first year head coach. So I, you know, I don't want to too hard on him. You know, Brad Stevens had the luxury of coaching a horrific team his first year and, you know, every win was found money. So it is hard coaching in higher pressure situations, but I just, I think he needs to be thinking outside the box a little bit more. And I think that playing Grant Williams, especially where Al Horford is struggling so much um, and boosting his minutes is like one button he hasn't pressed that seems pretty obvious to me. I don't know. A couple of things on that. You know, I think one of the things that, so Steve Jones on Twitter is um, obviously I assume a lot of our listeners follow him. He's very smart. Um, you know, he, he, he was going through the, uh, the Knicks game and, and I think he hit on an, an important point, which was that, you know, he found this play where Grant was passing out of the three pointer still. And it's like, I do think that, you know, there is an element of that where Grant is shooting this like absurd percentage from three point range. And that's great. And that's awesome. And I, I, I'm one of the people who advocates for more grants and, and maybe less shooter, but I do think there is something to the idea. Like if you're, if you're still passing out of shots that you should be taking, uh, I think it would be pretty easy for a coach to be like, I don't know if I'm going to put you on the floor in crunch time. Like, I think there is that kind of push pull between, you know, the, the, the number side, which says Grant Williams and like all these lineups with Grant are great. He takes pressure off the Jays, but he's, if he's not taking pressure off the Jays, but because he's passing up the open shots that they create for him, I think there is some concern there. But I do think that that's, you know, I think that there is an element too of, like you were saying, too much Schroeder. They have to find minutes for him somewhere. And sometimes those minutes come at the cost of maybe minutes for Richardson that might be better, you know, better proportioned. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about the Romeo experiment. We'll see. He's had a little bit of time at this point. What do you, uh, I mean, the thing that everybody's uh, freaking out today on Twitter about is uh, Kendrick Perkins going off on Tatum after Jalen Brown's great evening. Do you have any hot takes about the uh, the pairing of Jalen and Jason? Uh, just given that that seems to be the uh, kind of the, the, the topic of the day. I don't know. I just really don't see it i i feel like i'm kind of going insane because i like watch so much celtics and i wonder if it's just you know because this is obviously going to be the thing that's going to be interesting on a national level about the celtics you know the celtics are struggling you know they've struggled for two seasons in a row now um you know this is a team that you know made you know a couple of conference finals with um jason tatum as and jalen brown as their best players so the, the you know the hospital celtics and the you know, the, the bubble Celtics, these, these guys don't get enough credit. Cause I think people ask like, what's wrong with the Celtics. And I think what's wrong with the Celtics is Gordon Hayward blew out his ankle five minutes into a season and they lost three max contracts guys for nothing. Like you see what happened to the Warriors after they lost two max contract guys in that, that Raptor series. And then they, they went from literally the best team of all time to the bottom of the league. You know, the Celtics have lost three of those guys for nothing. And given the front office has to bear a little bit of, well, a lot of responsibility for that. But if you want to know why the Celtics are bad, 
That's why Kyrie Irving leaves. So in order to con- contend, you need to offer, you need to find a way to replace that. You have to trade and sign and trade Terry Rozier to bring in Kemba Walker, which is kind of your best bet to get a replacement point guard. Um, you know, it's a gamble because Kemba Walker is a small point guard that doesn't age well. And lo and behold, he's a small point guard that doesn't age well. He struggles mightily. Um, I think based on his time with the Knicks, I think we can see that it was, you know, as, as bad as Al Horford has played, he's still way ahead of Kemba and a lot of advanced stats. So I still think that was a pretty good trade. Even if, you know, people see Al kind of struggling and, you know, wonder about the wisdom of that trade, it was sort of taking medicine and uh, you know, the Celtics are still, you know, catching up after that, you know, they're still, struggling to um you know find their next move after those big three max free agents left you know they've been repairing they they've been kind of repairing on the fly ever since then um you know they finally in a pretty good position they've got a lot of trade exceptions um they've got a lot of mid-sized contracts now um they do have all their own draft picks going forward which a lot of these teams that are in trouble like you know, for example, the Lakers and the Trailblazers, they do not have that luxury like the Celtics do. Um, the Celtics also star players are also 23 and 25. Um, I don't know. I just don't think, I think people are jumping to the Jalen and Tatum pairing when that's not the issue at all. You know, the issue is more roster fit and, um, you know, specifically, you know, shooting wise, in a season because like last year it was really bad last year was really bad but there COVID was going on and I think that that you can chalk a lot of last season up to that and Jalen Brown getting injured at the end um I think the Celtics could have put on more pressure on the Nets if Brown had been available for that playoff series and I think if you know if the Celtics you know take the Nets to seven a healthy Nets to seven I think there is a huge difference between then and you know, how the Celtics are looked at back then and now. Um, kind of a huge if. It's like, sure, yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Robert Williams was really playing well. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, but I they still think a I healthy still, they were a good team and the Celtics were not a good team. <laughs> I, okay, all right. I, I just, I don't know. I, I went to game one. The Celtics were right in game one on the road with Robert Williams. I feel like if Jalen Brown were available for that game and they could play like less, let's say Evan Fournier, um, who was absolutely cooking, uh, you know, Durant was just absolutely cooking him, you know, like free points every time. So I, I don't know. And some of those games were pretty close. Um, so I don't know, even to six, I guess, you know? but I guess, I guess my counter to that would just be like, isn't it like, so I agree with you that those are all the reasons the Celtics have been bad, but I do wonder if it is kind of a distinction without a difference. Right. Because it's like, mm-hmm. like Nicole brought this up on the last pod and I thought she's exactly right. Like the Hayward thing, it really sucks for the Celtics because it did ruin the 2018, 19 season. It did ruin mm-hmm. kind of that potential, little, I, I don't want to call it like a potential dynasty, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. that potential like collection of, of players that could have been a contender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It completely wrecked that. And there was no positive answer to it. You know what I mean? Like it just kind mm-hmm. of Hayward's ankle snapped and so did any positive Celtics timeline there. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I mean, I like, I think there's a million reasons why Jalen and Jason haven't, you know, been, been perfect together, you know, like, like over the last two seasons, but I do wonder at some point when, 
that sort of distinction without a difference starts to starts to break through. I feel like some fans like to rely on the fact that they did go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but that was so different than now, I think. Like mm-hmm. that first 2018-19 season, Tatum was a rookie and Jalen was a second-year player. And yeah, they were the hospital Celtics, but they didn't have like the same pressure as they do now as like mm-hmm. the guys. And like in the bubble, obviously they still had, even though Gordon got hurt again, but they had Gordon and they didn't have hundred percent Kemba, but they still had like other guys involved. Whereas now like they're clearly the front of the organization. And I don't know, it, it just hasn't gone particularly well. And I think there are multiple reasons why, like, I don't think the only reason is because they can't play together, but I just think using the Eastern Conference Finals appearances is like kind of a crutch because it just, those are totally different teams and like situations. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I see your point and I like agree with it, especially because it was so long ago. And I think also the further we get away from it, the more it seems like the bubble was an aberration on all sides. Like you almost can't really count that Eastern Conference appearance I, I think I think you know you could only count it if they beat the heat though right you could yes yeah exactly. <laughs> well I just you know I, I think that, well, <laughs> well I just think that that Celtics team was clearly like worse I I would say like the hospital Celtics I think went through some real teams you know they went through the Sixers they you know did right. take yeah the Cavs, definitely you know like um versus like you know playing a Raptors team that is much you know you know, you lose to a Heat team that had honestly no business being in the finals, you know, to, you know, which is, again, you know, we're seeing the Lakers two years removed. And I know Alex Caruso is good and Kyle Kuzma is good, but like the league is way different from when the Lakers won that title. And I think that's the other big thing is the yeah. East is so much better, um, you know, particularly in the middle. You know, there's no you can't just um, walk to a Wizards or a Cavs win anymore, you know, like. In the past, if the Celtics had these, you know, games where they struggled so much from three, they could still, you know, eke out a win against the Wizards or something like that, um, or, you know, the Cavs. And there's really only two teams in the East, in the Pistons and Magic, that are freebies, and the Celtics still <laughs> almost <laughs> lost Magic. I mean, that that is the difference in the landscape, and I think that is the biggest difference, is the league is just better now, you know, versus when the Celtics um, – you know, we're doing this too, you know, the Southeast was in a very bad generally. So we say those teams are better, but well, like what is Terry Rozier and like Marcus Morris, like, are they the, <laughs> are they the sauce? You know, like, is that, I would argue. Yes. I think Terry Rozier is the sauce. <laughs> okay. So I, well, I'm just a big Terry Rozier of, guy. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think, but that kind of brings me to our next point is because you look at the, you know, the stats and how they play and it's like, no, so I think the, the bigger criticism of the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum pairing that I think there is some, you know, thing is, um, you know, a personality perspective and how the team, yeah. this is a very um, uh, sports radio take, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like, and I'm sure, you know, this is everyone's, you know, kind of saying this, you know, everyone says, oh, you need an alpha, you need a, you know, I, I think that's tends to be a little overrated, but I do think you need someone who's able to lead by, you know, you know, lead this team and kind of has the cachet to get in people's ear. Smart will do that. But when he's shooting 29%, I think guys are kind of like, I don't want to hear from you, man. Like, you know, like, 
And, and I think to your point, like I think yeah. to keep to keep it sports radio, I think it's mm-hmm. it really helps when it's one of your best players who is that guy. Right. When it's not just exactly. like you know your third or even like Schroeder sometimes because you know like guys who dominate the ball. Like it, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I think it it helps quite a bit when your best player is one of those guys. Right, and that's why I think. I think trading Jalen would be a mistake because I don't think Jason Tatum's ever going to be that guy. That's just not, he's a killer. You know what I'm saying? He's like, Jason Tatum will still win you a game seven on a last second shot. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say that he's not an alpha or something like that, but he's just doesn't seem like a guy who's terribly interested in vocal leadership, which um, is something that you need, you know? And if he's one of your best players, it's going to fall to your next best player. And I think Jalen Brown could be that guy. Um, I think he's shown that he's at least trying, you know, in a lot of these post-game things, um, you know, he's trying to be more of a vocal guy. And I think he's playing well enough that, you know, guys can't necessarily tune him out. You know, I think he's earned some of that respect. I do think, you know, he'd need to be less responsible for defensive mistakes, you know, because I think that, you know, if it's like, oh, if, if you're going to yell at the young guys for not, rotating correctly you gotta be gotta be doing it well yourself you know but I I think that that is that is a real problem um you know that I do think you don't necessarily need to throw the baby out of the bath out with the bathwater I mean these guys are 25 and 23 I everyone's like yeah but they've been in the league five years that's still really young and they've just half of their seasons have been you know a front office desperately trying to repair the mistakes that happened in their first three years in the league, you know? So I get why people don't want to hear about the Eastern conference finals when it's, you know, five years in the past. And I just said the bubble one is mostly fraudulent, (laughs) Um, but at the same time, like, I I think people really don't understand how the Celtics were in such a good position that it really masked the trauma of losing three max free agents. Like I can't stress enough how much that just, destroys your franchise and i think that you know they're still dealing with the consequences of that and i don't think that people necessarily understand that i mean i don't know what the celtics could have done that terribly different i mean maybe you know not giving enos Cantor a player option so you don't have to give up on desmond bain like that's one i can think of off the top of my head but even then Probably the easiest one yeah <laughs> right but even then, you know, what's to say that Desmond Bain is not getting the Aaron Naismith treatment right now? Right. You know, like, because the Celtics just have had all of these veterans that need to get played because they're trying to stay competitive. So they're signing Dennis Schroeder, you know, like if the Celtics were just worse and didn't have, you know, some of the weren't trying to contend and like clear cap space and had these big contract veterans on their thing, they could play. Desmond Bain. They could play Peyton Pritchard. They could play all of these guys, but they can't. And I think that, you know, next season, they're going to finally be in a much better shape. Al Al Horford will be an expiring contract. Um, They'll finally be able to like make some moves a little bit. Um, You know, they'll have all their own draft picks, but I just think in the meantime, they're both not, the Celtics are both not as bad as they seem. They're, they're a better team than they seem like they are because they're just so horrific in clutch time and they just fall apart in the fourth quarter. But I think that there are some buttons Ime Odoka can press to turn this team, not in, you know, not in a, con- a contender or anything like that, but into a good playoff team that could win a first-round matchup and 
give, you know, the Bucks or maybe not the Nets, but, you know, the Bucks or the Bulls or someone like a pretty good scare in the second round. Um, I mean, we've seen the Celtics play very well against the Bucks all year. So, yeah, no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think, you know, I mean, if you want to be negative, you could point out that, you know, this is probably the best case scenario for Robert Williams. You were going to get out going into the year. You haven't seen the, you know, 20 game uh, injury knock on wood for him. He's been huge. You know, Grant Williams has also come along in a huge way. Um, But I'd argue pretty much everything else has gone the absolute wrong way for the Celtics. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Celtics kind of go on a run here. I think Brad could do some addition by subtraction, you know, by trading Schroeder, I think that makes sense on a lot of levels because he doesn't really fit with the team. Um, you know, he they could. I think it would actually help the team play better, even though he's a better player than whoever you would get back, or you know, Peyton Pritchard or whoever would get his minutes. So, but I think something like that could be helpful, and I, I really think we could see the Celtics, you know, make a big run. The forty-eight wins is kind of a joke at this point because I, <laughs> I, I said that for a while, and they just continued to be awful in close games so that that ship has probably sailed but i do think they could you know get themselves given how middle heavy the you know the east right. is they could pretty easily get themselves into like the six or you know get themselves even out of the plane which seems crazy to say that right now but i really don't think it's that insane if just the celtics can shoot basically their career averages for the rest of the way, which would still be a very bad shooting season. Um, and, you know, if Jason Tatum just went on a little bit of a run, because you said this earlier, and I don't think we hammered home that point enough. Jason Tatum is having an off season. Yeah, really and, and I do think too, there's like last season, there was that, there was that stretch, right? He was having a pretty mid season for like a couple of mm-hmm. months. And I think, his huge stretch actually did come in like January, February last year, if I remember right. That was when he finally um, kind of took off. Or maybe I'm thinking of two years ago. I don't know. Time is broken. It's interesting. I, I agree with you completely on, on uh, especially on like trading Jalen. I think that would be uh, like, I think the stuff that we're seeing from Jalen over the last few games, and especially that we saw from him over that stretch where Tatum was out, it's just like, for one thing, you're never going to get fair value for that guy. Um, right. Like, I don't know how you, how you get fair value for him. And, um, number two, I mean, you just like it, I would be very scared to, to, uh, trade a guy who's showing a ceiling like Jalen has been showing. And, and I, and I think actually, I, I don't remember who tweeted it. Um, and I apologize if that person listens, I, somebody had a, had a really interesting stat. They've, there's something like 75 and 50 when those two guys have played together over the last like three seasons. So mm-hmm. 75 and 50 is much better winning per- percentage than whatever they're at this year. So that, that seems mm-hmm. somewhat noteworthy too. We always want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, but plenty of other delicious products like Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check, but we here at Geno Time are biased toward the Geno Time Stout. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades On's Beer Garden and Tasting Room. They're down in West Kingston, Rhode Island. And if you're a Celtics fan in the Boston area, keep an eye out for the Geno Time Stout at your local liquor stores or any other Shades On Beer Company products. Really, if you're a Celtics fan anywhere in New England, keep an eye out for any of the Shades On Beer Company products. I saw this quote on Twitter, and I can't believe I'm about to reference Freddie DeBoer on a, on a podcast. <laughs> but um, He was talking about something else, but I think it relates to the Celtics. But he said, like, what drives me wild is that, you know, topics are being discussed in this um, witless, condescending tone 
um they've been they, they get sucked into the maw of culture war which like for him i was like okay we're starting to get off track here yeah. but, um but then he said um he was like every he's like every fucking last issue has to be obvious to everyone at all times and i think yeah. that actually like kind of encapsulates how i feel about the, the tatum jalen dynamic it's like the people who think that they can't be broken up and that they can never be broken up and it would be crazy to do so you know like like have this like idea that anybody who makes any point to the contrary is being ridiculous and is being toxic and is trying to break them up. And the people who think the opposite, you know, <laughs> think that one or the other player stinks and should just go and like, get this guy out of here. And then we should build around the other guy. And it's like, well, no, these are two really good players. It's this really complicated issue. And it's not an issue that is, I think, obvious to everyone at all times. It is this sort of, um, you know, really, really complicated thing that I think deserves, uh, I guess, a, a more nuanced look than just these guys are awesome and they use no way you can ever break them up. But on the other hand, too, these guys are too good to, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, I think it's a good point. And I think, you know, if you wanted to point to something. Good point you know, made by Freddie DeBoer. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like in the interest of, um, you know, being, unbiased and presenting that all facts and showing that even though I'm an insane person who still thinks the Celtics can be good, you know, I am kind of treating some of this objectively. A lot of the stuff I said about Dennis Schroeder, you can say about Marcus Smart, which, um, you know, is kind of the other side of the coin. Personally, I don't think, uh, you know, again, you're probably not going to get fair value for Marcus Smart. Um, I think that there are ways, I think he's shown himself to be a good enough player and especially on a team that needs leadership as bad as the Celtics. I do think that, um, you know, moving on from him, I, I think it's just easier to, you know, build the team with him as a semi-core guy where you're, you know, bringing in another guy who complements Marcus versus moving Marcus to get somebody, you know, who like um, is doing the complimenting. You know, I think Marcus has proven himself to be, a talented enough guy and an important enough player that he's someone you build around versus, um, you know, um, you know, kind of his spot being something you move around and change. You know, I think the Celtics, for example, could bring in another point guard and have Marcus be more of an off guard. I think that works a lot better. And, you know, if he was, you know, still his career average on three point percentage would be, much higher than what the team is shooting right now. So, you know, I think yep. he's just having a, a bad three-point season at, you know, some of the worst time. I think Robert Williams is exactly what the Jays need with them, just in terms of gravity, spacing, passing, and efficiency. Like, um, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the other thing is that just, you know, the idea that the Celtics have just this rat team around, you know, Jason and, Jalen, I just don't think that's true. I think the talent is pretty comparable to the hospital Celtics run, you know, like it's not like there's a huge difference, you know, especially the way Robert and Grant are playing. I think just the difference is that the synergy just isn't there. It's not, you know, the, the three point shooting, you know, there's one weakness across the board and that's the three point shooting. That's really brutal. And I think the other huge issue is Jason Tatum just isn't playing that well. And when your best player doesn't play that well, as boring as it is, you're usually not very good. I think that's accurate. Sam, I think, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there, but is there any, any, is there any other last minute uh, takes you want to fire off any, any last minute positivity you want to, you want to pass on? Can you 
can you fix the toxic vibes in like a minute? Okay. Um, fixing the toxic vibes. I mean, we went over Grant Williams isn't playing that much. Um, Robert Williams, because the, the, you know, the season has been going so badly. I don't think people have realized just how insane like Robert Williams's improvement has been yep. right now, uh, as of before last night's game, I don't know anymore, but before last night's game, he had more blocks than fouls. Yeah. Could you, could you imagine, like imagine Robert Williams, like his second year in the league when we saw the tantalizing things. Can, can you imagine telling someone that Robert Williams has cut his fouls to that extent where he has more blocks than fouls? I think yep. it's only like Miles Turner and like Darius Baisley are like the only other two guys in the league who are, who are doing that right now. So Ooh. with the passing, you know, I think, you know, the, the still the problem for Robert is, he, you know, he's not really a threat to score outside of like, you know, dunking. So, you know, that would be the next step, but he's made a huge amount of progress and I, he continues to be a ceiling raiser for the Celtics. I think once this team makes more sense from a roster perspective and they do get some three point shooting around these guys, I don't know. I really think Robert Williams could be that borderline all-star type of guy here in two or three years. And I think that's a huge reason to stay positive and not really quit on this core. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that on Rob. And to your point, 66 blocks this season, 62 personal fouls. And not for nothing, in this much greater role, right, where he's, mm -hmm. uh, let's see here, he started 31 games. Uh, so, I mean, he started every game he's played. Uh, you know, he's already, I mean, he's like 100 minutes off from his from his career high already. And he's shooting 75% from the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rob Williams is, I, I think that's a pretty good reason uh, for people mm -hmm. to be optimistic. So, all right. Uh, what, what Twitter handle are you going by now? Are you, are you like, which, which, I don't even know what your Twitter handle is at this point. I, uh, I, well, I, I had, a, well, I had you a have people following you. Right. Right. Well, no, I had a Twitter that got suspended and, you know, yeah. because I, I obey the rules of Twitter, you know, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Uh, my girlfriend um, tweets <laughs> from uh, nice. She had, from nice. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, nice. You know, she seems like a nice girl who's never been suspended. Yeah, she's never been suspended. You know, that's someone different from me. That's that's a, that's a girlfriend of mine. So, um, yeah, um, I also want to, you know, be clear that uh, Sam Sheehan NBA is someone different from me. That's a, a completely guy. different. We've had him on the pod. Yeah, no. Well, I just, you know, because it, it gets confusing. I get that the name is the same and, you know, we have the same voice and look pretty similar, but that, it's all coincidence. He's a different guy, um, you know. Please. Didn't he change his name though to Sam Sheehan Freedom? He um he did. He's a huge um he's very big on Enos's um you know uh kind of uh he wants to see Juan Guaido um re reinstated um as president. So you know Enos kind of taking up that mantle as well as you know going um you know bringing um shining the light on, you know, some of China's atrocities in keeping their um, COVID numbers um, under 2%, which is both a, you know, both a lie um, and a proof of authoritarianism. So I hope Enos doesn't let this go. Um, it's really great to have that going on during the season. Um, I think that's really helpful to you, Kevin. And uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, it's great. It's been great for Sam Shun NBA. He loves that. Apparently, you know him better than, than we were led to believe, uh, hearing yeah. him say that. But uh, yeah. yeah, 
Well, but well, again, um, this is the, you get to know your enemy, you know. Like, right, right. Yeah. But again, everyone, this is at Nice Sheehan, uh, the, the uh, well, this is the, the boyfriend of at Nice Sheehan, um, much, right, right. much better looking man than Sam Sheehan NBA. Right. And uh, as always, man, we appreciate you uh, coming on. We appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, appreciate anybody who's left us a rating or a review. And we will talk to you all again later this week.